Tis the season for all things Christmas, my favorite season. Does your family celebrate Santa? Is there a little elf that visits your household every single night? In a world with so many traditions, I am so excited to bring today's guest on the podcast to talk about not only her incredible story, which is really awesome, of how the Lord led her to rediscovering faith and what that looked like, but also we talk about Santa. I know him. Name that movie, friends. Cece Bloom is a Christian wife, mama to four kiddos, homeschool parent, former foster mama, and now adoptive parent. She is a gifted storyteller who loves looking to the Bible, history, life experiences, and lessons learned to share God's goodness. In her book, The Top Secret Truth About Santa Claus, it's a fun new tool that tells the true story of Santa Claus in a way that walks any family through the Santa talk when the time is right. So whether you're navigating a season of rediscovery, grappling with discouragement or what I'm supposed to be doing with this life, or seeking to deepen your faith, this podcast, this episode is here to inspire and encourage you. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode, all things Christmas, and also a really hard story that God used. Let's dig in. Hey friend, welcome to the Abundant Woman Collective podcast. Do you want to grow in your faith and have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to be overwhelmed and frustrated when you're way too busy and forgot to prioritize your time with him again? Hey, I'm Sam and I too was someone who craved a deeper relationship but was too busy to make it happen. I felt overwhelmed at trying to fit him in and wished I could be confident in my faith and identity. I wanted to read the Bible and actually understand what I was reading but I kept telling myself that I didn't have the time, the know-how, or the discipline or tools to make it happen until I found a little secret to get rid of the Christian checklist. In this podcast, you will find biblical truth, hope-filled conversations with women who are right where you are, and all of the practical tools to implement so that you will be able to deepen your relationship with Jesus. So grab your coffee, Bible and pen, and let's dig in. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Abundant Woman Collective. I am here with my new friend, Cece Bloom. You've heard a little bit about her. She has a powerful story to tell and we're going to dig right in. So Cece, how did God get you to start pursuing his calling on your life and what did that look like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um as a little girl, I had a, just a love and a desire for writing, and it was something I passionately would just go all out at school, you know, writing any assignment. I, I could, my pen would just take off, and I couldn't keep up with the story that was was coming out of me. And I, it was something I always thought I would pursue when I got older. And then when I got a little older, like in the high school years, uh, I had a, a couple situations that really discouraged me in it. And I, I can look back now as an adult and see how the enemy was at work, uh, even early on there in high school. And he succeeded because for, for, you know, the many reasons that we do, I was able to listen to the lies from the enemy more than I think what God had been speaking over me as a little girl. But as I got a little older, um, and beginning began to really discern God's voice better and and grow closer to him. Um, I really felt that he was tugging on my heart to go back to it. And it was tough because I, you know, when you, when you hear the enemy's lies about you, uh, they can really, they can really knock you down. And so yes. in the writing area, I had been knocked down pretty hard and I really had believe that nobody wanted to hear anything I wrote. Nobody wanted to, you know, read anything. Why would I do that? Um, and so God, um, 
just in his sweetness, began pursuing that in me. And I had an opportunity to go to Israel in 2019. And while I was there, oh, it was so amazing. Um, Even getting there was a miraculous story. Um, We had an open foster care case at the time. And I, I had not, you know, I had done all the social worker visits, all the court dates, all the different things. So getting there was a miracle. And God pulled it all together and made it possible. So I got to go. And while I was at the, um, in the field, overlooking the field where the shepherds received the good news that Jesus had been born, um, the woman who was running our trip gave a little kind of sermon and then said, you know, God gives people new names and he has a, a, a calling on your life and a name for you. What do you hear him calling you today? And I heard like very vividly storyteller. And I knew I, that had been welling up in me, all these different experiences as a mom, um, just even through college and early adulthood, uh, I had gotten to see some really incredible, miraculous things. God had just, he's so sweet in how he pursues us. And I'd gone through a lot of hard things, but every single one of them, I could look back and see his faithfulness, even in the depths of the hard stuff. And so those were the stories that had been welling up in me that I wanted to tell just to, to really like speak of God's faithfulness. And those were things that he was saying like, yeah, what do it, <laughs> start doing it. And so um, I had tried before, before going to Israel, I had tried in my own power really to, to make a point to try to write things down and to, um, you know, I wake up early, I've got four little kids and we homeschool. So the only time I really could try to do anything with quiet and uninterrupted would be late at night or early in the morning. Uh, I was a rower in college. So I, I opted for the early morning oftentimes and wake up in the wee hours. But inevitably, those of you who have young children know uh, they tend to wake up in the wee hours too when you least expect it. So every time I tried, I was met with you know an interruption or something that stopped it. And so after that that encounter in 2019, I really began to shift my prayer life and say, okay, Lord, like if this is what you say about me, then you make it happen. Yeah. Uh, I keep trying and it's not working. Um, but he really was teaching me too to depend on him for for all of it. And so um fast forward, there were some incredible things he did in that process. One being I had a I literally had a woman approach me. I was helping run a um a women's retreat for our for a women's Bible study group that I was part of. I was in charge of running the whole thing. And so this woman came to me to to register for it and she just walked up to me and she said, God told me I'm supposed to help you. And I was like, okay, well, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> what did he tell you you were supposed to help me with? You know, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of doing, yeah. <laughs> what What does that mean? And, you know, she actually didn't even mean, like, know exactly what it meant either. She just said, God told me I'm supposed to help you. So she was starting to kind of go, oh, maybe I'm supposed to babysit your kids. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a little protective. I didn't know the woman very well. So I thought, no, you're not going to babysit my kids. I don't know you. But um, so she would kind of like offer these different things. I could cook a meal. I could do this. I am super bad at accepting help. So I, um, I, I was, I didn't know how to accept the help to, to start. And I also didn't know what, what God had told her to help me with. So yeah. I kind of began praying about it. But as I got to know the woman better, it turned out she was a number, like a, a best-selling Christian author that I had never, I had never known that about her. <laughs> I actually didn't know her until she walked up to me for registration. So I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything about that. But as I got to know her better uh, and she continued to pursue me, uh, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is where I felt like, you know, God kind of kicked me in the bum and said, speak up now. (laughs) You've asked for my help. I've put this woman in your lap saying she wants to help you. So I did. And um, that began a process of getting to kind of jump back into writing in different ways. And really she became an amazing cheerleader for me. Um, 
this woman actually was dyslexic. She did, I say was, she just passed in April. So she's no longer here on earth. She's up with Jesus. But, um, this was in, uh, 2019, right. Uh, shortly after that trip that I got to go to Israel, uh, she began letting me come over to her house and use it as a quiet space to write and kind of just cheering me on in my writing and saying like, wow, you can do this. Look at this. And, um, I think I started to say she was dyslexic herself. So she, here's a woman who did not know, literally had a, like a hard time with the physical act of writing who God turned into a best-selling author. Um, so to get to walk along, it was so cool because God knew I was really discouraged. I had been beaten down in the whole writing world. And so he really used her to go, Hey, if I can take a woman and she would be the first to say this, if he can take a woman who's dyslexic, who, you know, she struggled in school, had all these different things and turn it around to make me a best-selling author. Like you've got some writing chops, like what, do what he told you to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we be, I began to um, really kind of go meet with her once a week, even sometimes just sitting there and writing at her house as a quiet place when I, when I could get a moment. Um, and, and I ended up actually helping, um, ghostwrite and edit her, the last book that she wrote. And that was an incredible process too, to get to walk through all of that. And so in the midst of that, um, I like, we finished her book actually in 2020. So we was during the shutdown. It was, it was nuts having, you know, everybody was home. (laughs) So I I worked, I put on my editing hat and, and got through some editing of a, of a novel sized book. Um, and we finished that. And so then I really thought, okay, Lord, I know it's time to start writing the books that you've put on my heart. Um, I need you to make that happen now. Like how, how do I do that? And uh, right about that time, I, we were actually getting ready to go on a road trip. Me and my husband and our four kids, we, like I said, we homeschool. So we were going to do a big road trip to kind of get the kids hands on all the things we've been learning about through all the years. And uh, this was 2021 summer and we were two weeks from getting going on this trip. And I thought, okay, on this trip, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to write. This is going to be my opportunity. I don't know why I thought I was going to be able to write on a road trip, you know, in a motor home with little kids and a dog. But I just knew this urgency was there. Like it was time to start writing and I had been praying about it. And so um, I had been fervently praying like, Lord, give me the time, make it somehow possible. I need, I need the time. That was the biggest thing because time, you know, it's it's hard to come by in so that much. phase of life. Yes. And especially time where you're, you know, uninterrupted. So two weeks before we left on our road trip, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not sleep unless I had my arm like above my head like this. And when I woke up, when I got out of bed in the morning, I was in like pretty excruciating pain. And I thought I had pinched a nerve in my arm. A couple weeks of trying to rehab it, like going, you know, icing and heating and stretching and chiropractor. And I, I ended up in more and more and more pain. I wasn't able to go to sleep. So I ended up finally going to the ER where I found out that I had completely ruptured a disc, one disc in my neck. And the second one was about to go. Right. This is like, yeah, crazy situation. Right. Um, but in that moment, I also like the doctor was telling me I was going to need a pretty serious surgery. There was a whole, there was a whole lot going on. I, I, I ended up, like, like I said, in the ER in the middle of the night thinking it was just this pinched nerve. They were going to be able to, you know, give me some sort of medicine or, you know, rehab or something. And I'd be on my way and we go on our road trip. Well, no, God completely put a stop on the whole thing. 
But it was miraculous because of the road trip. My husband had a month of time that was already going to be off. Mm. And as a result of that, I, I just kept praying like, Lord, I don't know that surgery is what you've like. I don't think that's part of it. I really think that you're doing this work like to give me this time and that you need me to be just flat on my back, not able to do all the things that I always do that keep me from doing what you've asked me to do. Not that they're bad things, but just busy yep. things, you know? Um, and so I saw that in the hospital. And so I began kind of asking the doctors about what my other options were. And ultimately God gave me a doctor that said, I think I can walk you through this non-surgically, but what you're going to have to do is literally like follow my every word. And that's going to include, you're going to basically be on like a medical house arrest. <laughs> and so, um, and that's what it turned into. And so for, like I said, my husband had actually five weeks off of work and he was able to take the kids. Um, they still did a little bit of a, of a trip with his mom and my, and my brother-in-law. And I got, I had like quiet time at home, which I'd never had in all what is that? Parenting, <laughs> yes. And so I felt such an urgency in me. Like, I don't know if I will ever get any kind of time like this again, I better do what God has told me to do. And I just started writing. And I'm telling you, Smith, it was like coming out of me, like a download. I've heard other people use that term, like divine download. Um, and, I, and that week, um, there, you know, there, there had been several stories that I had felt like I was going to write when the time came. But strangely that year, um, so this was like July of 2021. In January of 2021, God had told me to start <laughs> researching about Santa Claus really silly thing, especially when you're like, and I, but I kept, I've run into as a, as a homeschool mom, especially I think, and Christian mom, you kind of run into the whole spectrum of how people deal with the Santa Claus issue. Right. So I call it the Santa Claus spectrum. So on one end you have families who don't want to touch Santa at all. They're like, we don't do Santa. It takes away from the real meaning of Christmas. Nope. Uh, uh. And then on the other end, you got people who are like, we go all in. We love it. We're, you know, I change the wrapping paper for the Santa gifts. I do this. I do that. We leave the cookies, all of it. And so somewhere in between, we all land. And inevitably, whether you fall on this end or the other end of the spectrum, the Santa conversation is inevitable. You either have to have it at the beginning with your kids of why you don't do Santa when other kids that they meet, you know, on the playground or at church or in their classrooms are doing it, or you have it at the end when the gig is up and they've kind of put some things together and they're starting to ask questions, right? <laughs> so I'm like, there's just got to be a better, a better tool for, for parents, because I've seen this conversation go awry, like way more times than I'd like to say. For sure. Um, in so many, in so many ways, whether it's a kid spills the beans because, you know, he knows the truth or they don't do it, uh, or, you know, just, or, or parents kind of getting in trouble with their kids because the kids feel like, why did you tell me all this? And now what am I supposed to believe? So I had been doing all this research leading up to this time, uh, when I had the neck injury about Santa Claus. And what I found was the true story of Santa Claus. It's, it's rooted from, as most of us know, um, Nicholas, St. Nicholas or St. Nick, as you might've heard. Um, but you maybe haven't heard him called Nicholas of Myra. And he is a guy who was uh, raised in ancient Greece would be modern day Turkey, a city called Myra, an area called Myra. Uh, and he was a early church member. Um, he knew Jesus and he had followed, he was following the inspiration of Jesus's life. And when you learn, as I learned more and more about the story, I'm like, this is an incredible God story, <laughs> really. The only reason we know anything about his story nearly 2000 years later uh, is that like 
Jesus had his hands all over this. All of this man invested his life in doing God's will and God's purpose. And that's what made all the difference. And that's why the story has traveled literally the, the world over in a time when there was no internet or, yeah. you know, social media or anything to make it travel quickly. Um, and it's lasted to this day. And now it's been tweaked and changed and it's been commercialized. And so that's why, you know, a lot of families opt out of the story that we know today. But the story that we know today is is really not even close to a fraction of the beautiful story that it is. And so as I learned about it, I just was like, this story has got to be told. Families got to have to know this. It really saves the whole thing. Because if you're on the spectrum, end of the spectrum that you don't do Santa, this story is so worth doing because it really points to Jesus. And it points to like, um, you know, the, the original gift that we have in Jesus in the manger and why it's important and why it makes a difference. And if you're on the other end of the spectrum, this story also helps you kind of recover <laughs> of let's point to like where it really did start and why we do what we do. And so um, I wrote, so that week I got home from the hospital, literally I wrote the top secret truth about Santa Claus. It came out of me in two hours. And, um, if you've read the book, it's a, it's a, it's in complete rhyme scheme. So it's got a lot of fun historical elements and it tells the real story. It goes through the, it goes through Nicholas and Myra starting at, of, with him as a little boy and into his life and how he grew into a man who really obeyed God's call on his life and how that made an impact on his community and how his community was so changed that clearly they began wanting to do the same thing and make impact on other people um, with with God's calling on their lives. And so the second half of the book, once you kind of hear the whole story and the impact that it made, shifts gears into um, kids and families saying, hey, the one of the beauties of this story is that this isn't a, a magical man. <laughs> yeah. Um, if there's any little ears out there, you know, you might want to earmuff it right now, but this it isn't a magical man with, with the flying reindeer. It's so much better because it's a real story of a real man who really just took what he had. And, uh, I mentioned that we're, you know, we were a foster family and now adoptive family. Nicholas's story all starts with him losing both of his parents. And it was with the inheritance that he got from his parents dying that he he took that inheritance and said, I'm going to do something with this and I want to bless others, but I want to do it in secret. He didn't want the credit. And again, with, you know, our culture is so, so different today. Everything is about, you know, being credited with it and, mm -hmm. you know, shouting it out to the rooftops. Um, and so I think there's something beautiful and such a great lesson for kids to learn and family, all of us to learn, you know, of, you know, when we do things that God asks us to do, it doesn't always, a lot of times it's in quiet and a lot of times it's, you know, in the dark, it's not when everybody's looking or watching and maybe no one else will ever know. Maybe even the person that you're blessing never knows. Um, and that, that's, you, you see a little bit of that in the story. Um, but, but what's neat is he, he took what he had, what he had left. I mean, he lost seemingly everything. Uh, was given this inheritance and that's what he used to bless other people. So I think it's a fun and beautiful way for parents to to teach their kids and to learn ourselves that it, we don't need a lot. We just need whatever it is that, that God has given us that we have. And when we take what he's given us, whatever that is, whether it's a gifting on our lives and um, resources, it doesn't, I mean, it could be anything. So just you, but it teaching our kids to focus on what is it that God's put in your life that you can use to bless others? And how do we have eyes for other people? And how do we take what he's um, given us to love him and honor him and love those around us? So the book ends with that. The kids get to sign a little contract that they're now they're part of the, the top secret truth agency. <laughs> and with that contract, part of it is they got it. You know, you don't you don't go 
telling everybody the top secret truth. <laughs> so I try to solve some of the problems that parents run into with, you know, the Santa talk. Um, and then as, as a member of the TST agency, as we call it, uh, your senior agent, so your parent or caregiver gets to oversee all their junior agents uh, in completing missions of their own. So taking St. Nicholas's life, real life and inspiration and saying like, okay, what's in my life that I could do? How do I have eyes for other people? How do I look for people in my family, in my community, whatever it is, and start trying to do the same things that he did and have eyes, you know, to do that sort of thing. So um, yeah, sorry. That's a long answer. <laughs> no, that was so good. I'm like listening and seeing, uh, some of the themes that are interwoven to your story and how I, I just think it's so, and I know you have so much more different, more different, you know, uh, different <laughs> elements of your story with adoption and foster care and your healing and all of this. But I just think, isn't it, this is why I had to tell some of the women in the membership recently, like pray specific prayers, but mm-hmm. also not be careful, but maybe be careful with what prayers, because I, <laughs> you're asking for more time and it came yeah. in a medical <laughs> crisis. I felt right. like, God help me wake up earlier. And then like four 30 every morning I'd start waking up and like, no, no, this wasn't what I meant. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Why? Totally. Exactly. But also what's neat about when you're praying those specific prayers, mm-hmm. when he answers, you know, like, yeah, you so don't cool. want to be yeah, you're like, wow, that's incredible. Like when I was in that hospital room, I remember very vividly going, oh my goodness, like, I see what you're doing, Lord. This is crazy. Yeah. And even when I prayed, like, I don't think the surgery is part of it. So then he answered that next part of the prayer of like, no, it's not. I have a doctor. He's going to get you through this, but you're going to be home. You're going to not be able to do anything but stand up and lay down, which basically writing was one of the few things I could do. And I'm a very, I'm an extrovert. And so I would have felt like this was torture. I think if I didn't have like a mission, you know, something that I was doing, but I, I mean, there were moments where it was lonely, but at the same time, I felt so like, no, this is what I've been praying for. Like, go do it. (laughs) So that it was, it it ended up being such a blessing and I could see it that way because of the specific prayers. When you see God answering that specific prayer, it's, it helps you have the the perspective of like, no, I got to stay focused on this is a prayer he's answering. And like, what does he want me to do in this, in this moment? So, yes. And it's a prayer that he's answering because you've finally surrendered and aligned your will okay, I am a writer. I am a story. You've adopted that identity that he put on you. And so of course he's going to answer the prayers that are going to align with his will anyways. Right. Like he, we're kind of catching up (laughs) to what he's wanted all along. And I want to speak a little bit to the identity piece because as a little girl, you had a heart for storytelling. And so, Mm -hmm. so many of us as little children, as little girls, we have been told, or maybe we've had dreams or because we have that childlike faith we have where the, we can do whatever we want. Right. And most of the time, those dreams and aspirations are from the Lord. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. not. I used to want to be like a pay lady, which in my mind was like the grocery store clerk. Cause I wanted to handle money. So maybe not that one, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there were things in me that mm-hmm. he put in me that were only from him and same thing with you. And then somewhere along the way, life gets hard. Things happen to us. Things are told to us. The enemies tries to get his grip in us because he knows that we are powerful women of God, who, if we step into said identity, will also change the world. That is something that we are passionate here at Abundant Women Co. But 
the enemy starts throwing stones and words and that looks in so many different ways. And at some point we, some of us believe the lies of the enemy, right? He's mm-hmm. caused like all the way back in Genesis. The first thing he did is cause lie. And yep. we had, we chose to believe that lie. And so the Lord though has already won, right? He's already mm-hmm. has the victory. The enemy is just trying to throw you off track and which yep. he may do for a few years. However, you came back to the Lord and there's like a beautiful redemption story in that. And I feel like that's applicable to every woman listening because for, I just feel like for every woman, there's been something that the Lord has told us we've gotten off track or we've believed the lies, but he is still wanting to redeem that original plan for you. And he still wants to use you for his purpose, his good and his glory. And so whoever's listening, this is for you. Do not let one, the lies of the enemy. Mm-hmm. We like to punch the enemy in the, his face around here. We say that a lot too. Um, do not believe the lies and, and also do not believe what the world or culture will tell you. And that mm-hmm. you have a specific purpose and plan that was designated on your life as a child. And it's still designated on your life today, regardless of what has happened in between this gap. And so find the Lord, seek the Lord, hear his voice and his call for that plan now. Even if it means you're in a hospital or a home bed for four months writing the book, but Mm -hmm. don't miss that part of her story because I just feel like it's so powerful that you Mm -hmm. are redeeming what he told you back then right now. And I think it's super fun that your first book is a book for children. Like you had Mm -hmm. this planted as a little girl and now you're writing a little kid's book, but also for adults. So yeah. And I never imagined that that would be the first book that I would do. <laughs> like, it wasn't even funny to me. And I wrote it in like the the heat of summer. So there was no like Christmas magic inspiration no. happening when I was writing it. It was truly like, okay, you have the time. That story you have in you, do it. And so, and like I said, it was the, the story, the, the book was written in two hours, you know, getting it to be, you know, a hardback thing that I could give to people that took a little longer. <laughs> yes. But the writing of it happened quickly and, and it was a testament, like, again, to his faithfulness of like, no, I'm here with you in the loneliness. You're here by yourself in your home. And, you know, like I said, as an extrovert, that could have been like a terrible thing for me. But instead I felt like, no, I'm sitting here with Jesus. We're going to write this thing together. Um, And it was, it was thrilling in a lot of ways and so exciting to get to, I just felt such a, like it was such an honor to finally get to do the thing that I had been one wanting to do, then told Mm -hmm. to do. (laughs) And then I had asked to do. (laughs) So it was, it was exciting to get to finally do it. And yeah, that it was neat to have it be a children's book to start. Cause that all, everything else I had thought of had all been like novels more towards either young adults or adults. And so that one was kind of, it felt like out of left field, but it felt so like, no, this is the one you need to do first. So, and when you know, you know, and if that in itself, writing a book in two hours is, is a miracle all in itself. So it's only God that can do that. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's very true. Yes. And it it was from them. Yes. Which I love because again, another surrendering piece, um, with Santa Claus. Yes. I am a mom who homeschools. Also, of four kids. <laughs> so we have definitely uh, experienced the full gamut. And I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. We planted churches. So, and I was children's director. So, like in every capacity, you've seen I it. I have experienced Santa. <laughs> so, yeah. I've met women of all spectrums. Yes. And so, mm-hmm. along the spectrum. And so, 
I love so much though. I actually love Santa. We don't do Santa, but we kind of do Santa. We lean on yeah. the conservative side of Santa, right? But uh, I love that this, I love that we can put a real life piece. The only, my kids do know St. Nick, but it's from Veggie Tales. So that okay. is still not real life. It's still a cartoon of vegetables, but no. <laughs> they know that there's another story and I might have a book or something like that's older, but I love so much that you are giving all parents, Christian parents, something practical to sort of either replace Santa with, enhance their Santa experience, like whatever that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. And so this Christmas season, as we get into the holidays, I am just going to go ahead and encourage everyone to buy this book and have this conversation with their children now. And it sounds like you're even equipping parents, which is incredible because so many times this becomes, how do I say this without being sassy? I don't really know. So we're just going to say it, but Santa is not a hill I'm willing to die on. Okay. Salvation is an issue I'm willing to die on. Right. Santa is not like, I know some people are like, ah, Santa. But it's just, it's not a salvation issue. And so it's a, it's a, one of the minor sort of issues, but it is still an issue for families. And I feel like you have created something that will bring us together instead of cause division. That is like as non-sassy as I can get. Yeah. It is strangely a divisive, you know, thing, but yes, I hope that it does draw, I hope it draws families together too, because I've seen yes. the devices, divisiveness that it can cause sometimes between a parent and their child, even, uh, for in, in, in every part of the spectrum, whether the child feels like, why don't we do it when all my friends do it? Or the child feels like, why did you tell me all these things that now you're telling me aren't true? Yeah. Um, and so I, I hope the book, the book that the goal is for it to solve those things. And to your point about um, helping with parents, you know, being a mom of four kids, uh, the thing that I like the least is feeling like I have one more thing to do, especially at Christmas time when there's like yes. eight million things to do. I won't mention the, a little, the other little creature that comes out that and is, sits on people's faces. No. <laughs> he is not in my house, not because of theology, I, but because I, I don't want something else to do. That's how I feel. So I, I've created a website. It's called thetruthaboutsanta.com. And the website, obviously you can find the book there. I created a little song to go with the book and there's other things to go with the book, but I've also created a blog to go with it for in really for after the book. And yeah. the blog is written, it, parents can read it. Kids can read it. It's, um, it's kid friendly, but it's also going to, it's like, there's a lot of, there's some teaching in there, um, really to encourage them. Cause I, as a mom, I'm like, I wouldn't want as a parent to feel like I, there's one more thing to do. So I want to really try to take that burden off of parents too, of like, if I want my kids to have eyes for God and eyes for others and, and start working on missions, how, how do they do that? So in the blog, I went to that next step of like, here's the how to's. If you're, if you're new, a new TST agent, Here's the first blog post you're going to read. And then here's how we're going to get into missions. And here's what missions look like. And here's why we do them. And here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with yourself. Because if you're not working on yourself, then like you shouldn't be even necessarily reaching out to that next step in your community. Let's start there and see what we need to work on there. And so uh, that's a little resource too for parents. If, if when you get the book, there's that for you. So don't feel like it's one more thing. <laughs> No, you have to do. Thank you. It's a way to plug kids and families, hopefully, into those next steps and get them um, kind of taking responsibility too for like, hey, this is an exciting time. It's not like yes, there's a sadness. I think when when a lot of parents feel a lot of sadness around this topic when it's when the gig is up, 
And my hope is that your perspective shifts when you read the story and that mm-hmm. it won't be a sad thing, but actually a really exciting thing, almost a graduation. Like it's bittersweet, of course, because it means that there's an end of a chapter happening. But what my hope is, is that families can look at the next chapter with excitement and go, oh my gosh, this is so much cooler. Like we now know the true story, which is way, way better than the pretend one that yeah. has been told. And like, my kids are have this opportunity to step up and we as a family have an opportunity to step it up, draw closer to God, draw closer to one another and start working on these things that really the whole point of Christmas is not what we're going to get and not what we're, you know, it's really about putting our eyes back on the gift that we were given at Christmas and what we do with that. And so that's, that's my hope for, for parents and families post reading the book that, that they can step into that together. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm trying to build some scaffolding to walk them into that so that kids and parents can do that. And you don't have one more thing (laughs) that you have to do. (laughs) That's beautiful. And every parent across America said, amen. Um, (laughs) Before we wrap up, I want to sort of wrap up in a different way and talk about a little bit, um, how Santa has also taught you to walk out your faith and stand mm. in your God-given purpose. Mm. Okay. You, for me personally? <laughs> yes. Well, all of us, um, but yes, you. Yeah. I mean, I was, so I mentioned like, you know, being former foster, now adoptive parent, um, watching when you enter that world, you're entering a world where kids have lost uh, a loved one, both parents. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of loss that happens there. Um, and so for me, sorry, this, this part makes me choked up because I'm walking through kids, walking kids through that. When you enter as a foster parent, you're stepping into a family's like worst crisis moment mm-hmm. and you're doing it willingly. And you oftentimes aren't, uh, welcomed. <laughs> um, and yet you do it knowing that like, if you, if you're not answering that call, if God's called you to do that, then like he's asked you to go and there are kids out there waiting for you. And so, um, St. Nicholas's story, I just, I love that in his darkest moment, like he, he took it and he looked to God for what to do. And he had truly, like he'd literally lost both of his parents. And so I love that in the practical application in my life, like coming from that world where now, like I'm getting uh, a lot of my community is foster or former foster, now adoptive uh, parents and families. My youngest son is adopted through foster care. We've had a lot of conversations in our home that that um, families who haven't been through either foster care or the adoptive process wouldn't necessarily have. But there's a lot of questions about, you know, where did my first mom go or where, what, who's, who was the daddy that, you know, where, where exactly did I come from? There's a lot of these questions, right? And so I love that St. Nick's story starts in, in an orphan, like as an orphan. And I love that his being orphaned was not even close to the end of his story. It was like the beginning. And I love the inspiration that it is, um, obviously for kids, like the ones that I've gotten to, um, you know, work with and walk with and my youngest son who's adopted, um, and also the other kids I get to encounter, but what an inspiration too, for kids who haven't walked that of like. I imagine like for me, I imagine that'd be the hardest thing to go through as a child to lose, to lose both your parents, um, and kind of go what next. And so uh, for kids who haven't had that kind of loss, like still what an inspiration of like this, Yeah, they say when, uh, Nicholas of Myra lost his parents, they, they, they're guessing he was around 14 to 16 years old. So he wasn't that old. He was, he was still pretty young in this day and age, you know, 14 is not uh, an independent 
person. (laughs) You're, you're still a child. And so, um, to have that inspiration to go like, wow, like all the excuses, all the lies from the enemy that we can take on ourselves of like, I can't do it because this, I can't do it because that. And so to look at this little boy's story and go, he didn't say I can't in that moment. Like he took what he had left and he was like, okay, what do you want me to do? And so that to me is like such a practical application from his life. It was one of the most beautiful things that I was like, oh my gosh, like it just hit me of like all my excuses that I have, you know, silly ones, good ones, whatever, everything in between. I look at that little boy's story and go, he looked to God and he just took one step after another. I guarantee he didn't know exactly what he was doing when he first started. And yet he continued. And it's because he continued in obedience that his story has made an impact and, you know, an impact that he never even knew about. Probably he, I, you know, when he died, I have, I have no idea that he realized his story had already taken flight. Um, but again, so yeah, that's where the, some of the practical application of his life really has impacted me, um, in, in a, such a personal way, you know, and Jesus is so sweet to always, I always tell my husband, I'm like, he talks to us in ways we can understand. (laughs) So if it's mom language, he'll talk to me like that. If I was a gangster, he'd talk to me in gangster language, whatever it is. He speaks to us how we can hear it. And being, you know, that being kind of a a fresh thing in our life, that was a way he really spoke to me through, um, St. Nicholas's life. Um, and yeah, the impact that he got to have on kids and, and others, uh, I just, I love, I love the story of his life and I hope that others will look to the the true story and really get to see what, what the real story is and how much more exciting it is. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. We can put the Hallmark Santa Claus away and learn more about the real Santa Claus. Um, Okay. So for our sister friends that are like, yes, I want this. I want to connect with you. I want to say hi. Where can we find you? Yes. So like I said, I have my website is called the truth about Um, that's where you find the blog, the book, the song. There's other little things too, little award certificates you can give to your junior agents, you know, as they complete yeah. little missions already made, you don't have to make them. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I'm on, um, I'm on Facebook as CC bloom. And I am on, I also have a, a Facebook page called the top secret truth about Santa Claus. And then I'm on Instagram as the top secret the top secret truth about Santa cut me off there. So the top secret truth about Santa on Instagram. Um, and I'm on Pinterest, the top secret truth about Santa Claus as well. So you can find me all those places, uh, posting little, you know, silly, silly things with the book and trying to have fun with it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And of course, friends, all the links will be in the show notes below, but thank you CC so much for coming on and sharing your story and giving us the real deal about Santa. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Samantha. Of course. Friend, I hope you were blessed by this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before you go, quick things. One, can you follow us on social? I would love to get social with you. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube all have the username Abundant Woman Co. Come say hi. Also, we have a free Facebook community that has women just like you building community, going after Jesus and just making connections. Come join us there. I can't wait to meet you. And last, I would love if you could screenshot this episode and share it on your socials for a chance to be featured. Until next time.